Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. This is Jesus speaking. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father, Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor, nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of heaven, which, is, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all things. Here's the key verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Father, as we read your word, we need your wisdom and we need your spirit. Apart from you, we can do nothing. But with you, Lord, we know that we can move mountains. So we pray that as we approach this topic, you'd help us to do it in, with grace and to comprehend these things by your spirit. We pray that you just fill this place right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Jesus gives the commission. Do not worry about all these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need certain things, but let him worry about it because it's his problem, not your problem. If he cares about lilies of the field, flowers, plants, you know, you, you see all these animals around, they're not, you know, we, we don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to eat today. For the most part, unless a kitten comes up to your house, you know, and you adopt it into your home. Like we kind of found a cat. It's like our fifth cat now. You don't have to worry about these animals. God is the one who's taking care of them for the most part. I mean, we, we understand effects of the fall. Animals die still, whatever. The point is, there are certain things that you think that you need. And God would say to you, do not worry about these things. Instead, here's your concern. You want to be worried about something? Be worried, be concerned about seeking God's kingdom first. Everything else will be added unto you. Why do we start off with that verse? Because a lot of people look at the secondary things and they make that the first thing. That's the problem. The reason why we have to talk about relationships tonight, why we have to talk about dating, talk about marriage, all these things that maybe you didn't want to hear in church is because, think about this, the second most important decision you will make in your life is who will I spend the rest of my life with? Number one, first important, you know, most important question is whether or not you're going to heaven or hell. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? But number two, who are you going to spend the rest of your life with? At least that's what I think. So that being said, now we have to look at the Bible. What does the Bible say about your heart? In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 3, it says this. Guard your heart above all else. There's that phrase again. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That's the New Living Translation. You have a heart. I have a heart. And when the Bible talks about the heart, actually, they thought your heart was actually down here in your stomach. 
which sounds kind of weird to us. They're like, our heart's up here. We know that. But back in those days, they felt like your heart was in your stomach. And we talk about that today in our language sometimes. We have a gut feeling. I have butterflies in my stomach. And that's what they were expressing. And so, but the biblical understanding of the heart is very different than our conception of what our heart is. Or at least for most of us. I heard Tim Keller give a sermon, or he was talking to a bunch of preachers, but he was saying something really interesting. How we make decisions back, you know, okay, so how the Greeks used to make decisions thousands of years ago used to be like, you have a feeling, I have a feeling, you have an emotion, I have an emotion, but that should not dictate what you choose to do because that's not the real you. You are what you think. So if you have a logical thought, and you know something is right, that is what you should do, not listen to your feelings. They felt like the body was evil, full of all kinds of sin and whatever, and because of that, they wanted to depart from that and follow what they thought was true. And so today, it's the opposite, isn't it? And now it's be led by your emotions. Do what feels right, even if it doesn't make sense. I mean, that's the plot line of every movie, isn't it? Follow your heart, listen to your heart. It's like, you know, your families are against the relationship and everybody hates it and like, oh, he's a bad kid or whatever. It's like, but I love him. And it's like the noble thing is to pursue a person even if it's not logically right. Now, here's the thing. Neither of those is the biblical um, stance. The biblical stance is you are not how you feel. You are not what you think. You are what you trust in, where your heart is. The Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so here's the thing. This is why this topic matters. Because so many people look to a relationship to define who they are. I mean, think about this. Everyone here in the room, you don't need to point fingers, but everyone knows a person that is in a relationship where all they do is spend time with each other and nobody else. That's all they do, text each other, call each other on the phone for hours and hours and hours. Hey, we're going to the movies. You want to come? No, I, I have a date with my, my girlfriend, my, my boo, my bae. They're like, oh, I don't say that ever again. Who are you? It's like this person transformed overnight. He's like the macho dude, and now he's just like this guy who just says all these weird names with desserts and stuff like we did five seconds ago. At the end of the day... A lot of people invest their time in things and expect those things to give them only what God could give them, value. And so you invest in a relationship hoping that this relationship will give you completion. It's not just you need a person in your life. You need someone to complete you. And that's why you need them in your life. It's not just like, oh, it'd be nice to be married one day. It's like if I don't get married, oh, that's my worst nightmare. And maybe that's some of you here. Like your worst nightmare would be if God said to you, hey, you have the gift of singleness. Congratulations. No. No, Lord. And uh, I remember when people used to, it's really funny. So if you, here's how you can tell if you have the gift of singleness if you actually don't have a desire to be married. Because no one hates their gift, right? It's not like you're gifted to play guitar really well. You're like, oh man, I'm just, I can like rip these solos and stuff and I hate it. 
I hate doing blah, 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 blah. No one does that. You're not gifted with something and hate it. It's a charisma. It's a gift. It's something you love, even if you don't feel like you're good at it. So at the end of the day, if you want to be married, don't worry. You're probably not going to be single for the rest of your life. But what I would say to you is ask yourself, am I trusting in a relationship to fulfill me in ways that only God can fulfill me? So that being said, first we got to talk, well, actually, let me bring up a quote to you. Uh, a guy, David M. Buss, wrote a book called The Evolution of Love. This is why it's so important that we talk about this. He says, hearts broken from love lost rate among the most stressful life events a person can experience, exceeded in psychological pain only by horrific events such as a child dying. So guard your heart above all else because it determines how you're going to live your life. Where you put your treasure will determine how you will spend all of your time. And if you're trusting in a relationship to save you, here's what you're going to do. If that person's mad at you, you're going to do everything you can possible to make that person love you again. If you offended that person, you need that person to save you. So you're going to do your buy flowers, your extravagant things. You'll text them all the time. You'll be desperate because you need that person to complete you. You'll spend all of your time with that person. You'll spend all of your money on that person. You'll sacrifice relationships with other people to obtain that person. You'll do what it takes because that person is everything to you. And that's a very dangerous place to be in. And what happens when that person breaks up with that person? They're devastated. They're at a point of despair because they've lost all hope. Okay, so this brings up a great question. A question, a question for all Christian people and non-Christian people too, but what is dating? You ever think about this? What does it actually mean to date somebody? Because everyone has a conception of what dating looks like and what dating is, but what does it actually mean to go out on a date? Well, according to the dictionary, a date is a social appointment, engagement, or occasion arranged beforehand with another person. So if you decided, based on this broad definition, if you decided, hey, let's go out to the movies, you just went on a date. It's like, I, I thought we were just, I was just going with my friend, actually, and, you know, we just went to the, no, you went on a date, according to the dictionary. It's kind of weird. Courting. What does courting mean? It means to seek the affections of or to woo. Of animals, it means to attempt to attract a mate by engaging in certain species-specific behaviors. I'm not an animal. I don't do that. Anyway. Many Christians are afraid of the term dating. They don't like it. They say, oh, we're not dating. We just talk. We're just friends. But really, you do everything that dating couples do. And you know those people, all they do is talk to each other. They hang out alone with each other and whatever. Oh, we're not dating. Then what are you doing? Oh, we're just friends. No, you're not. And here's the problem. If you don't call it for what it is, what happens when you break up? Well, we didn't really break up, but you just stopped talking. Now it's just weird. So if you don't use the term dating, when there comes a rift and you break up or you, whatever you call it, unfriend each other, you're eventually going to experience two things. Number one, the pain of a breakup. And number two, the pain of confusion of not even knowing whether or not you can call it a breakup. 
like, you guys broke up? Well, we weren't really even dating, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know what this is, but this feels terrible. So, how do you know if you are in one of these dating relationships? Well, this is what I would say first. My definition of dating is a mutual exclusive relationship for the purpose of greater intimacy. A date, a dating relationship is a mutual, meaning it's between you, it's like you're both in it together. Exclusive, you're not seeing other people, relationship for the purpose of greater intimacy. Now that's a loose definition that can, you know, the world can use if they want. So if the greater intimacy is going and having sex and whatever, that's a date. Okay, whatever. But hopefully the greater intimacy is marriage, as you're all Christians, you know. So that's my loose definition. A mutual exclusive relationship for the purpose of greater intimacy. You want to get to know the person better. A friend asked me, wait, so does that mean you can literally date Jesus? And I said, no, because Jesus is seeing other people. <laughs> so anyway, here's the thing. A dating relationship, when people refuse the title, you have all these different questions that pop into your head. Are we even really dating? If we're not dating, then why is this person talking to this other person? Why are they ignoring me? Why don't you talk to me as much as you used to? And if you think about it, you don't even have to be in a, you know, it's not like you actually have to go on dates to be dating somebody because then a long distance relationship would never even happen. But here's the end of the thing. At the end of the day, no matter what you call it, you have to ask yourself, what is the purpose of my relationship with this other person? In the Bible, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 2, it says, treat older women as you would your mother and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. So what that's saying is, if you wouldn't mess with your sister's emotions, then why would you your sister in Christ? Ultimately, no matter what kind of relationship you're in, as a guy, your job is to protect them, to make sure that they aren't being violated by other people and being the target of harassment or whatever. That's what every Christian brother should be doing because you love one another, every brother and sister in Christ. Now, here's the thing. Because the Bible doesn't recognize dating as an actual thing, it's not like you have any rights over the other person. They're not specifically yours. But every single person, a godly brother and sister, should be loving each other in the way that the Bible describes, no matter what kind of relationship you have. So that's why it's really important to define the relationship. If you guys have been talking a while and you know that you both like each other, at some point you're going to have to define the relationship and talk about it, have the conversation and say, okay, I think it's obvious that we like each other. What are we gonna do about it? And how can we glorify God in this? Because if you don't, you might just be leading each other on and that is a very dangerous thing to do. For us guys, our job is to take the shame so that the woman is protected. So we're the ones initiating. We're the ones going out and looking like a fool because we asked a girl out and we said something and we said, hey, you know, maybe just one day you would like to, nope, okay, all right, I'll never ask you again. I'm gonna go hide in the closet now. <laughs> You're not to put that kind of shame on the girl. Her job is just to look beautiful, to love Jesus, to shine and just wait. 
which can be hard for some of you. I know, because you're just like, oh, he's not doing anything at all. Especially when there's that guy that only texts you, you know, he'll talk for hours on the, on the phone or whatever, but when you see him in person, he's like, well, it's like he doesn't like know who you are. And you're wondering like, is this the same person? Like, am I talking to the right person online? Or is this like a fake profile? Anyway, so that's what dating is. What is the purpose of dating? In other words, why should people date? And I, I already explained, dating is not a biblical term. It's a cultural term. Some cultures, believe it or not, have arranged marriages. Can you imagine what it's like to be like, you and you, good luck. <laughs> it's like, oh, Lord, help. But then if you get lucky, it's great because you're like, you got the good end of the deal, you know. But then, it's, you know, it's bad for her. Marriage is the lifelong commitment before the Lord. No matter who you choose, once you get married, you are making a lifelong commitment before the Lord. Whereas dating is your opportunity to find out, is this a person that I want to spend the rest of my life with? So for the Christian, the purpose of dating must have marriage in mind. Not in a creepy way. Because some, I mean, like, you're not dating just to date. You're not just dating to have fun, right? So you're dating because you want to pursue a relationship, perhaps, to find out if this is a person that you want to merge your life and her life and go one, to, uh, one common goal to glorify the Lord in whatever way that he leads both of you. Um, so that being said, this is not supposed to be some creepy thing where you're like, you're talking about it, and it's like you ask a girl out, and the minute you ask her out, she's like, yes, I'll go out with you on one date. And like, okay, so do you think like we could get married in the future? It's, you wouldn't do that. That's weird. You have to wait a little bit. Maybe the second date. Now, maybe you're asking today, why? Why can't you just date for fun? Why can't I just flirt here, flirt there? You know, we're not just like, we both understand this is just temporary and whatever. Why can't you just do that? Well, this is what I would say to you. It is impossible to commit yourself to something without investing yourself in it as well. It is impossible to commit yourself to something without also investing in it. So very practically, Think about anything you commit to. Think of committing without investing. I mean, for me, I, I know like some of you know, I've had so many hobbies throughout the years. I said at one point, I'm gonna, you know, take photos for fun. Just, you know, just be a photographer here and there and just do it for fun. And then someone's like, hey, you wanna take a picture of my band and we'll pay you money. I'm like, sure, I'll make some extra money. And then before you know, it became a business. Now I had to do something with it. Now I'm a photographer. And, and now I'm evaluating who I am based on what I've been spending all of my time doing. If you commit to something, it's impossible not to be invested in it. If you spend 50 hours a week at work, at some point in time, you're going to be a little attached to your work. You know? And not even in just a, I mean, just in a practical way. You spend all of your time in school. Right? And it's not like you love school. Maybe some of you do, some of you don't. But you're invested in it. If one day your teacher said, oh, yeah, I just, I don't feel like grading you this year, so see you later. Well, what do you mean? What was all that homework for? You will ask the question because you've invested in it. And if you've invested in it, you want to see results. So that's why it's impossible to be in a relationship without someone getting hurt if you broke up. The Bible says in Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 4, Do not stir up nor awaken love 
until it pleases. It's impossible. No matter what relationship you're in, even if you're in just a friendship, if you decide, if I decide today, like me and Dave Duquesne are not going to be friends anymore, that would hurt. And we're not dating each other, but that would really hurt. I've known him for a really long time. Like any relationship you break off, doesn't matter what kind of relationship, it will hurt when you break it off. And that's why you got to be very, very careful to guard your heart before you enter into a very committed relationship with someone else. One of the most important questions you must ask yourself before you date someone is? Yes. Thank you, Vinny. The one person I tell that to all the time. Just kidding. Sorry. That's messed up. Why can't you just be friends? That's the question that my youth pastor asked all of us when we were in youth group and it just like made me mad. It drove me insane. He said like, you wanna date someone? Well, let me ask you this. Why can't you just be friends? And I'm like a 14 year old kid. I'm like, you can't make out with your friend. (laughs) That's, That's what I thought as a 14 year old kid. I was weird. A lot like some of you, sorry. At the end of the day, I'm still weird. At the end of the day, what you find is most people want to be in a relationship because they want something from that other person. But a true godly relationship is all about giving of yourself to somebody else. It's about dying to yourself every single day. And true love looks to give rather than receive. Even Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. It's better to show someone affection and to show someone that you care and to bless them without even them even knowing it was you. The Bible says to when you want to bless people, when you want to do stuff, do it in secret. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly in front of everybody else. But there's so much of us that wants things from other people. But it shouldn't be so of Christians. So until you can answer that question in a biblically faithful manner, I don't think you're ready to date. That's what I think. C.S. Lewis describes friendship as two people walking side by side toward a common goal. So if that's all you're doing, then why can't you just be friends? But that also begs the question, doesn't it? Can guys and girls be just friends? Can they be just friends? Just hang out, you know? That's the age-old question, isn't it? Well, this is what I would say to that. I think the Bible shows us that, yes, you should be friends with people of the opposite sex. As it says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 2, treat older women as you would your mother and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. You love them just like they were your own family. But that's the key. You don't have any entitlement over them. You don't have any rights over them. You're just there to love them in a godly and family kind of a way. So I would say, though, you should be a little skeptical of some other people. Be wary because there are some people that have other kinds of motives. So let's talk about bad reasons to date. Now that we've talked about the what, what dating is, we've talked about the why, why you would date, it's for marriage. Let's talk about bad reasons people have to date. Because I asked the question, why can't you just be friends? And some people might answer like this. Well, um, we're in love. And if we're in love, then uh, obviously we should date. Oh, you may not say it like that, but we, we like each other. Is that enough? Isn't that enough, Alan? 
I've waited three and a half years of liking somebody, and now I'm just in love, and we like each other. So isn't it time? No. No, it's not. Let me ask you this. This is probably the philosopher part of me, which is bad. What does it mean to like each other? What do you, when you say, I like somebody, what do you actually mean? Do you mean you're attracted to them? Do you mean that you get butterflies in your stomach? And every, you know, listen, here's the thing. If you're a man and she's a woman, it's just going to happen naturally. You will be attracted to all kinds of people throughout your life. Liking people. We like each other. What does that mean? You are attracted. If you are attracted, you will be attracted to all kinds of different people. Does that mean you have to marry everybody? That's polygamy. You can't do that. <laughs> At some point in time, you have to understand there must be a better reason other than you're attracted. Now, what I'm not saying is that it's bad to be attracted to somebody. I'm not saying, like, you should be like, oh, man, well, I have to make a godly decision, so I guess I'll marry you. <laughs> like, don't just, if that's the case, don't ever say that to her, ever, or him. I mean, that's messed up. You know, I thought about being holy, so I married you instead of someone else I was actually attracted to, you know. It's messed up. But here's the thing. The heart is wicked, the Bible says, above all else. Who can know it? Not me, not you. So let's trust the Lord and not trust our feelings. Here's the other thing. Just because you have feelings, hear me on this. Just because you have a feeling does not mean you have to act on it. Why do we feel like just because we want to do something that we have to do something about it? I may, from time to time, feel like I want a cannoli. Because I already told you, I, cannolis are my favorite dessert. But that doesn't mean that I should have a cannoli for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I would love that. That'd be great. They have cannolis at Wawa now in the little fridge thing. Like I can get it to go. I can have it anytime I want. Does that mean I should? No. It's going to make me a very fat Allen. Here's a question. Have you prayed, have any of you prayed for God to take feelings away if it wasn't his will? Maybe you're like me because I've done that before. Lord, if she isn't the one, I pray that you just take these feelings away. Oh, the feelings are still there. I guess game on. <laughs> Here's the problem. God doesn't just take feelings away from things that we know are wrong. He doesn't take feelings away from things that we desire but still know is not the right decision. If that was the case, all God would have had to do with the Garden of, Garden of Eden, you have Adam and Eve, is when Eve is about to take that fruit, God just zaps her, and Eve's like, you know what, I'm not hungry. I don't feel like taking that fruit anymore. I'm going to walk away. He would have done that, right? But he doesn't. Why? Because one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. You know what self-control is? When you want to do something, you don't because it's not a good decision. So if you're led by the Spirit, you'll have the ability to discern whether or not something is a good decision. A relationship that's founded on impulse can be picked up, or sorry, can be dropped off just as fast as it was picked up. If you're just impulsively like, oh, I like this person, I'm going to go for it. That person, you don't know if they just jumped onto the bandwagon and said, Let, you know, let's go date, let's whatever. You don't know if that person might drop you for the next person just as fast as they found you. You want to make sure that that person, when they make a decision to pursue you, is not doing it just because they're infatuated be, uh, with you. 
So the other danger of infatuation, infatuation meaning you like someone, you're attracted to somebody, is that you might be looking to that person for security, completion, as we already talked about before. You got to be very careful that you don't put, put them in the place of God. In other words, you're looking to them to give you things that only God can give you. Because what kind of relationship is, is that? You're going to crush them with your expectations because you expect them to be God. Just think, if you need fulfillment and you're looking to a person to fulfill you, the minute they betray you, it's over. You're devastated. You're destroyed. Because that person who you trusted to fulfill you suddenly can't do that. What we need to do is be completed in Christ and let him fill that hole so that we can go and give of ourselves to another person. Here's another bad reason to date. Number two. Ready? This one might surprise you. Second bad reason to date is so that you would grow in the Lord. I'll repeat that again. Another bad reason to date is so that you grow in the Lord. I would say that's fine. You should always want to grow in the Lord, but you should be complete in Christ to the point that you don't need another person to grow in the Lord. If the reason why your date is like, oh yeah, well, you know, whenever we hang out, I start reading my Bible more. Hey, how about you just start reading your Bible? Because the danger is you might become dependent on that person for your relationship with God. If you're... And let me speak to the ladies for a second. If you're dating a guy and you know they're not there yet, you know they're not there yet spiritually, you're kicking them, read their Bible, like, oh, come on, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. But you know you've been reading your Bible every single day for years and they're just like getting into it. Here's the thing. Don't think that they're suddenly going to change when you get married. You might be the person dragging them to church on Sundays. Have to bring the kids. The husband's going to follow. You're going to be the one who's motivating him the rest of his life. If he doesn't take the lead now, when is he going to take the lead? You can't date someone's potential. You have to date the person right in front of you. And that's the danger, is that so many times we think, if only they did this, it would be perfect. But you don't know if they're going to become that person. So don't date a person so that you can grow closer in the Lord. Do that without a person so that you can be complete in Christ and you can bring something to the relationship and not be dependent on another person to be an accountability partner for you. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't grow in the Lord in a relationship. You should, but you shouldn't need somebody else to grow. That's, you know, marriage. Brandon Anderson wrote an article, and he said this, if Jesus isn't motivation enough to grow in maturity and pursue godliness, then you are not ready to pursue a woman. Here's another bad reason to date. Number three. Bad reason to date, number three. He or she is the only one who understands. The only one who understands me. Well, here's a couple things I would say with that. Number one, you shouldn't ever date out of pity. You shouldn't date just because, oh, you know what? Well, you know, I guess we're the only, I guess this person is the only one who will ever like me. So I guess it's time to date somebody. I used to, I mean, literally, this is what I thought when I was 13. I was like, if I don't date this girl, I will be single for the rest of my life. No other girl. I mean, like, the chances of anyone liking me are so slim that if I don't jump on this opportunity, I'll probably be single for the rest of my life. And you know what? It's been true. No, I'm kidding. 
don't worry about that. But when you say things like, you're the only one who understands, to us, if you're the recipient of that compliment, it feels really good, doesn't it? There's a part of it's like, yeah, yeah, I am really helpful. Yeah, I, I am the only one that understands. But we got to be very, very careful about that. It should always be about redirecting people. So when someone says, you know, thank you for listening, no one else wants to listen. Say, nope, that's not true. I'll listen, but you have people that love you and care about you. You have your youth leaders. You have your parents. You have people all around you that care about you and that will understand. You got to be very careful about codependent relationships because at some point you will hurt the person that you love. So if you're completely dependent on that person to be the one person that doesn't hurt you, the minute they do, you're going to lose all hope in, in everybody else. So if you say things like, this person is the only one who understands me, one of the, the telltale signs that a relationship has gone bad is when you go too deep, too fast. You start dating and then you start sharing your deepest, darkest secrets. You know, you start talking about your past, whatever, right from the get-go. That is very, very dangerous because your foundation suddenly becomes based on bitterness, on hurt, and on pain, and not on Jesus. So be very careful about that. No matter what the kind of relationship, all of our relationships should point to Jesus. So here's another question. When should I date? When? When is it appropriate? Well, I'll give you some statistics I got from Josh McDowell. At age 12, if you start dating, person starts dating at age 12, there's a 91% chance they will have sex before graduating high school. If you're age 15 and you start dating, it's a 40% chance you will have sex before graduating high school. If you're age 16, there is a 20% chance. So waiting for romance will help you wait for sex. And I'm not saying that like you started dating at 12, it means you're guaranteed to, to have sex before you leave high school. What I'm saying though is dating early means waiting a really long time. Do you really wanna stir up love before you, I mean, you're ready to, to do that? You're gonna to have to wait a really long time and that isn't wise. So, I mean, like, if you're not a Christian and you don't really care about these things, that's one thing. But for Christians, we understand that sex is a beautiful thing that God has created for marriage. Sex was never about attaching yourself to so many different people and being used by so many different people, giving of yourself to other people, and being hurt by each subsequent person. Sex was reserved for between one man and one woman Together in marriage, there's safety there and there's commitment there and there's no fear of being let go. That was a beautiful, beautiful thing that God created. And the world says sex is all about having fun. It's about being good at it. It's all about you. But that is the direct opposite of what God created it for. So that being said, um, there is the temptation and it's very real and you wanna make sure that you at least wait till you're 16. However, I will say this, um, just because you turn 16 doesn't give you permission to date. You definitely have to wait for your parents' permission if you're a minor. Definitely got to wait. You can't just be like, well, you know, we're dating and uh, my parents are against it, but we're not calling it dating. Then what are you doing? So you're disobeying your parents, but not really because you call it something else. You have to respect your parents, even if you don't agree with them, because you know what? They gave you life and they fed you 
when you're a child. If they, if they wanted to, they could be like, you know what, I'm not going to feed them today. I'm going to let them die. Right there. There he goes. You're going you're gonna to cry about your diaper. I'm not going to change your diaper ever. I mean, you would die. That's not good. So you owe them. Just give it a couple more years. And this is something else I'll say. And we're going to close in a second. Do not despise the value of singleness. Too many people just want to jump right into a dating relationship, jump right into marriage. But here's the thing. If you get married young, let's say that you get married young at age 25. Age 20, oh gosh, 25, 10 years, oh my goodness. Let's say you get married at age 25. You will spend, if you live to be 85, that's 60 years of your life. Not saying you're going to die at 85. My grandmother's 90. 60 years of your life spent with another person compared to 25 years being single. Just chill out. You will have the rest of your life to spend with this person. If you're in a dating relationship, don't just go out alone. Spend time with other people because there will come a point in time where all of your friends get married and you're going to be like, oh, well, I guess we only have each other now. So while you have the opportunity, while you have all your other friends, invest in other people so when you guys come together, you have a relationship that you can invest in, just you two. But you've already spent your time investing in other people. That's what I would say. So there is value in singleness. Even Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of this world, how he may please his wife. So when you're single, you're undistracted. You can completely focus on the things of the Lord. When you're married, you have a responsibility. It's not just, you know, I'm going to be a missionary to Africa. I'm going to go tomorrow. It's like, well, wait, I have a family of five. And so I have to consider, can my three-year-old child survive in Africa? I don't know. But when you're single, it's like, yep, I'm getting up and I'm leaving. There's so many things you can do when you're single, don't despise those years. And I'll tell you one thing, if there's one thing I did wrong, and there's many things I did wrong in high school, it was seeking after pointless relationships when if I just realized what I should have been investing in, it would have, you know, I would have had so many different opportunities open up to me. I would have made good use of the time. You know, it's like, there are so many times I regret not studying the word of God in high school, not going to that Bible study, not focusing on the scriptures, but there's, you know, there's not a, a single time I can look at it and be like, you know, it is worthwhile pursuing that person that I didn't end up marrying. All kinds of regrets about that. So at the end of the day, focus on yourself. In other words, I'm not saying like, think about yourself. What I'm saying is focus on your character. Don't think about so much, who should I marry? Think more about what kind of person can I be so I can marry someone that God has for me. And just to close with this, I want to bring up, because we're running out of time here. When you focus on yourself and you focus on who the Lord is calling you to be, then at the appropriate time, parental guidance, mentor guidance, you know, have older people in your life pointing out things in your life, then you can Go with confidence knowing that you're prepared to enter into marriage or enter into dating, okay? So that being said, that was the whole thing on dating. Next week, we're going to talk about questions such as, 
is there a such thing as a soulmate? So we're going to talk about what kind of person you should marry. What kind of attributes you should look for in the person that you should marry. So if you're a person who believes in the one, the one person that God has you to marry, that's a message you don't want to miss next week. Why don't we close out in prayer?